Hey, what's up, everybody? We're back. We're back on the Tech Slab. My name is Jake. Super excited to be here with you all and with one of my favorite people. I am here with the one man who has a cleaner falsetto than Adele, the facial hair hero, my cornhole partner of two years, Zach Surface. What's up, man? Thank you for being here. Yeah, pretty disappointing turnout last year at Cornhole, but we're going to run it back this year. We Yes. Uh, any men listening, April 30th, come through and you will be dominated um, in short shorts and we will have our t-shirts on. Uh, listen, man, all I'm going to say is I was humbly, Zach and I were humbly serving you from 6.30 to 1.30 last year and then we had to go straight to Cornhole. So we were tired. We were fatigued. We're going to blame it on that. Yeah, our prep wasn't, wasn't there, but this year it's going to be on point. Yeah, we're coming for you. We're coming for the the prizes. I do know what they are, and I'm very excited for them because I already have a, a bigger version of one of them. But Ooh. that's all that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> well, this is not a podcast about cornhole as much as I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Okay. This is the text lab though, where every single week we're gonna do a deep dive into the text, help you prepare for your life group this week. And our goal is really simple. It's to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group, you're just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope the text lab helps you this week have a meaningful study, reflection, and conversation about what God has said in his word. I'm really excited about the scripture this week, Zach. You want to take us through Romans 7, 1 to 6? I'd be happy to. Or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Man, praise God. We are not, not dead to sin anymore. We're dead to the law. Jesus came for us. So if you're just joining us, a little recap of uh, what's been going on in Romans. Paul, mm-hmm. who was Saul, was called by God to preach to all. You wrote that, didn't you? I wrote that. <laughs> if you guys could read our Google Doc, you would love this. I was like, okay, how do I deify this thing? How do I just rhyme every word? Very cute. So you're Paul welcome. is writing to the Christians who are in Rome. He's never been there. And they probably have never heard of him, mm-hmm. but he gives a little bit of his pedigree at the beginning about what he's been doing and who he's been writing to. Um, and he addresses a bunch of people by name. He knows a bunch of people that are already there. And so he tries to make it personal and get on their level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. And from there, uh, we're going to dive into author's intent. But I love us taking us through their town because we can't understand author's intent. We can't move further without understanding the context of, of Paul, of understanding Romans, of who he's writing to, of everything there, especially when looking at like a marriage metaphor like this that we'll get into later. So from here, we answer this question, what is the author trying to explain to his audience? And uh, a week ago, uh, Hannah and I, my I guess my sister now? Sister-in-law. Sister-in-law, uh, family member, talked about the way that God pursues us, even in, in our pushing him off the throne of our heart and how God has designed us to be, has designed life to be lived a certain way for our good, his glory 
glory and for our joy. But this week, Paul expands upon that argument by using an interesting metaphor. Uh, He's helping his audience grasp the idea of dying to the law and dying to sin by saying that it's kind of like when a spouse dies. He says you're freed from the union with that person when a spouse dies. Similarly, Jesus dying on our behalf also frees us from the law that we've previously been under. It's not like when your spouse dies, you're like, yeah, I'm free. Peace out. I'm free. (laughs) This is... uh metaphor that would have made a lot of sense to the people at the time, right? They're entrenched in the law. That's what they know. Mm -hmm. The Romans having not have had any correspondence with Paul or, and only kind of tangentially knew about what Jesus was doing. Um, and so the idea of this like marriage metaphor, it's very different than in our context where divorce is so popular Mm -hmm. and you know, you very rarely see marriage end in death anymore. Um, so I think it's important to kind of take the metaphor and take what he's trying to mean out of it, not get too much into the nitty gritty of like the, well, if you died and then they died and then you're an adult, that's not not, that's not what he's trying to yeah. communicate, right? Yeah, there's like a simple truth there that he's trying to pull out, and that's that we're dead to sin. And it's following, what's cool is, we ha- we can't take the verse out of context. We can't take the metaphor out of context. We have to read really the whole argument. If you haven't done it yet, try and read Romans from front to back, because it helps to see, at least in the first eight or nine chapters, the argument that he's trying to make here from first to nine. If you've heard it before, it's like the Romans road. And so if you want to look that up, that's a great spot, but it's and important. That's, and that's what they would have done then, right? Totally. It's it's not like they're like breaking this up into six verses. Exactly. They don't even know what a verse is. Yeah. This is all just written in like Paul is a run on master, right? Totally. It's just all commas in on one sheet. And so they're not going to split it up. So. Right. And most of them would have to have someone read it for them. Mm-hmm. They would be out there reading it on the steps uh, for people to hear because they couldn't read yet. Um, and so it's really good. And for us, we need to do the same thing. Uh, we're reading it as a course of argument from the previous chapter where Bahal is basically listing all the things that they're dead to. They're dead to sin. They're dead to shame. And now finally, you are dead to the law because of Jesus. And what's cool here is we finally get to dive into, okay, what does this tell us about who God is? What does this uh, tell us about what Jesus has done and why we need him here? And the part that has been sticking out to me as I've kind of been prepping this week uh, for the podcast and for other things has been, this isn't a new idea about who God is. I'm spending time in the Old Testament, spending time, uh, well, in worship meetings, reading Book of Eden, seeing things like that. You see all these Old Testament stories just scattered with God defining himself, not only as father, but as rescuer, as redeemer, as someone who takes our sin and turns it for beauty and for our good and for his glory. Um, Some examples just to pull from, you have the Red Sea, you have Egypt, you have um, God using Moses to pull um, the Israelites out of slavery. You have David in the lions and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. Basically, Joseph's entire life as we dive in there. Um, but all of these are just instances of God giving us a glimpse of what his character, uh, of how his character is made perfect in Jesus. This, these are all just foreshadowings of the mm-hmm. ultimate radiance of glory that Jesus is. Yeah. Um, we look at these OT uh, stories and they're really just trying to point us to know it's going to like climax in who Jesus is as a person. Um, and we can see ourselves in those stories, oh, on, right? Yeah. Like I am Israel that wants to go back to Egypt. I am Joseph who has been so mm-hmm. low and God has been faithful to me, you know, and it's important not to eisegete ourselves into the text too oh, yeah. much, but we can take those examples of God's faithfulness and say, okay, how does that relate to me? 
Mm-hmm. I can be desperate, independent in this moment. That tells us about our nature, that he, the way that he has wired us in his image to make these decisions that aren't always the best decisions, and that we have the fruit of sin is sometimes consequences, and sometimes God works in us to mm-hmm. put forth the fruit of, fruit of righteousness. And he's designed life to be lived for us, for our joy. That's God's hope for us is that we find ultimate joy in him. Mm-hmm. So often we just screw it up, right? We yeah. make those decisions that are the wrong way to live. It's not the way that he has laid out for us. And what I love that's coming to mind here as we're talking about it is like the fact that God is completely unchanging. Um, and that can count, kind of sound weird in our day, maybe me coming from a non-Christian background and how everything is just changing in our culture consistently. But um, one thing that's encouraging about who God is as we look at Old Testament and who we are and who he's designed us to be, as you're talking about, is the fact that he is stable. The fact that he is unchanging, the fact that he is an anchor for us, that he will always be rescuer. He will always be father. He will always be um, the sacrificial lamb for us. He's never changing. And and Romans 8 is clear on that. There's nothing that can separate us from that love that's in him. Um, Okay, now for the fun part. We're going to jump into our town. Um, What does this look like in our city, in our daily lives? This is um, usually my favorite part. I love the uh, exegesis. I love trying to see what Paul's trying to say. Um, But especially as we get into the meat of Romans, this stuff gets me super excited. And what you said earlier, just praise God over this text. There's been a lot of texts where it's been like, Oh man, we're really, we're, we're pushing, we're pushing through this <laughs> to get to, we're getting, we're trying to get to this gospel. We're trying to get to this good stuff. Um, and so for me, what does this look like for me, Jake? What does this look like for life groups, for my hot tub life group on Thursday nights? Looking forward to it tonight. Come on, Adam, <laughs> Nick, and Zach, looking forward to it. Um, but what I see here in this text is a change of position. I see a change of identity happening that we're no longer under the law, not because we've accomplished or we've fulfilled it, but because Jesus has, and he gives us um, his righteousness. And I think it's really important for us to recap, what does Paul say about the law previously in Romans? And so we hear that the law is good. We hear that the law reveals our sickness, that the law is actually a gift from God. And another interesting point is just that the law shows us who God actually is. When we hear things like, thou shall not murder, and and thou, I never say thou, but like, (laughs) that's how I memorize the commandments. But the law that he gives us isn't just a no for us. It's also revealing how perfect he is. It's revealing to us just how good God is because he is a perfect embodiment of that. And those, yeah, those shall nots are, you can turn that around and to be like positively affirming, right? Like go, yeah. this is what God wants for you. It's not Come that he like, is like, don't do this. It's like, actually there's more joy if you do yeah. not murder. If you do value life, if you do value your father and mother, like all mm-hmm. of these things, that there's a positive aspect to that yeah. and there, that there's more joy in those positive exactly. aspects. And that's such a big point of what he's saying is like, if you live life the way that literally the creator of the universe, the creator of you has designed you to live it, there's more joy in that. And it just makes a lot of sense, but it's hard for me to put my pride down and say, I'm actually not God most of the time. Yep. When I look at the law, um, I am reminded of a childhood memory, Zach. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. And there's a few of them. But this one in particular comes to mind. Um, My family owned a particular pet as a kid. He was yellow. He was um, disgusting. 
He drooled. He was hairy, uh, small. If you get where I'm going, this was, it was a dog. Yeah, yes, it was a dog. Oh, okay, yeah, you there, said that. yeah. I was gonna get there. <laughs> it. I just wanted to leave you guys on the edge. Like, man, is he talking about a squirrel? Like, what? Where's he Ooh. going with this? We had an oversized poodle, and when we first bought him, um, he was supposed to stay miniature. He was. He was supposed <laughs> to say stay about the size of a lap dog, but he grew to be about the half the size of a golden uh, retriever, and in that was very ugly was a very non-appealing dog. Um, and if you can't tell by my voice and by the way that I am describing him, uh, I would like to make it very clear and uh, public that I hated this dog with all of my heart. Uh, this I wasn't was, getting that. Yeah, you weren't getting it? No. <laughs> he was terrible. His name was Chester, if that speaks into um, some of his mm. personality at all. Uh, so we had Chester. We had Chester when I was growing up. He would bite and he would pee and he was just a horrible dog. But one of the special things about who Chester was is that he was one of the smartest animals that I've ever looked into his eyes, like that I've ever seen before. He would look at you and I'd look back at him with hatred filling my eyes. And I I swear I could see a person in there. There's someone trapped in that horrible body. Um, (laughs) We won't get into reincarnation. I guess that's not (laughs) our worldview. (laughs) Just kidding. It's a joke. It's not biblical. (laughs) So anyways, I'm looking at Chester and he was the type of dog that you told him no, like no peeing. No, you can't pee in the house, Chester. We'd yell at him. We would throw him outside. We'd try all the ways to train this dog to not pee in the house. And what would he do? He'd look you in the eyes. He'd he'd trot away from you after you told him not to. And he would just pee right in front of you maintaining eye contact the entire time with with just the brilliance of uh, of a poodle. Poodles are really smart. And you guys are probably wondering, Zach, you're probably wondering, why in the world is Jake venting about his poodle dog? How does this relate in any possible way to what we're talking about today? And I think it really does. I think through this story, God has revealed to me some truth about how I relate to the law. Because in a lot of ways, I am very similar to my poodle, my oversized piece of crap poodle. I very much look God in the eyes or look the law and the restrictions in the eyes and say, no, I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to transgress. I'm going to do it maybe because of my flesh, maybe because uh, simply because the law told me not to do it. Um, But what's beautiful here is that we can all relate to this. Maybe if you've had kids, maybe all of you have been kids. I haven't had kids, but I know that when my parents tell me not to do something, I'm that much more likely to do it. Maybe with (laughs) Cadence, you feel the same way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's Zach's daughter, by the way. Um, (laughs) But what's beautiful here from this text that we see is that we are completely dead to the law because Jesus has perfectly fulfilled it. Because God has given him that law and he was perfect in his obedience. He was perfect in his humility, looking at Philippians, saying that he humbled himself even up to the point of death to become nothing, to become a servant. Um, And that when he was crying out on that mount, God, is there any other way for me to um, save the world? Is there any other way for me to do this? Would we do it? Can we do it that way? Crying out. And God answers, no, like this is the way that I, this is the cup that I have for you. And what does he do? He's perfectly obedient. And That has been striking me this week in such a deep way because I am so disobedient. I am so prideful. But we see Jesus' humility and we see his um, obedience perfected here on the mount. And we see it um, in his life as he's responding to God. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty that this is perfectly fulfilled. And we are no longer held under by this law. We're no no longer held captive is what, what Paul says. But now we get to live in the way of the Spirit because God has granted us, he's gifted us his righteousness, his obedience, and his humility.
You know what's great about that is that he did that while we were making eye contact, peeing on the floor with it. Dude. You know, eye contact with him peeing on the floor, and he still sent his son to die for us. Thought that we were still worth redeeming, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and he gets so much glory from that, from that humble sacrifice. I think of, talk about Cadence kind of being a little butthead now. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Alyssa and I were dating and doing a lot of pretending, right? Mm-hmm. We were, there was a lot of like, we're, we're walking the walk and, um, and a lot of our own pride getting in there. And like, we think that we know what's best. Mm-hmm. And we found out that we were pregnant on New Year's Day of 2017. And that was, that's what, that's what we were doing. We were making eye contact with God. We were saying, you're good enough. Your good is not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose my own good. And what came from that was this big moment for us, I think, is I'm, maybe I can only speak for myself, yeah. that God's like, you are missing it. Yeah. Like, there is so much more that I have for you. Mm-hmm. And his faithfulness is so evident now in Cadence. Like, uh, the joy wow. that she has and the way that she is growing into a woman of God, I hope, and the way that she wants to pray for her classmates and is like invites them to play with her, like that kind of stuff. You start to see the faithfulness of God in hindsight, right? It's always, hindsight's always twenty twenty. It's so mm. hard to see like, shoot, we were scared. Yeah. Like we got pregnant on accident and it was, we were, we were freaking out, what do you we know, do? like yeah. our, thank God our parents were filled with spirit, super gracious to us and helped us through that time. We're super supportive, but looking back on all of that, it's like God takes this crap. God takes you peeing on the floor in front of him and turns it into this beautiful thing. That's my daughter now who is teaching me more about God and teaching me how to love better. And so that he can do that even with our crud is like unbelievable. Incredible. And that's one of the gifts I think of being in life group. I love sitting in a podcast and sharing like testimonies. Hannah and I did that last week and hearing God's stories, hearing the way that God has redeemed it. Because in life groups, you guys have this opportunity to do basically what we're doing in a, in a smaller setting here. We're able to encourage each other because like, for example, when you're in life group, you're able to tell your story of God's faithfulness to someone who might be in the midst of something like that. Someone who might be in the furnace, who might be uh, going through that suffering and saying, no, I've been I've been right where you are. I've been in a situation where I didn't know what God was doing, but he was faithful through the course of this. And now I've got this daughter who's literally an image of God, who is this daughter of Christ. Um And that's what you guys get to do as life group leaders this week. So encourage the vulnerability, encourage the authenticity here. It's where growth happens. It's where, um, it's where Jesus loves to meet people. He has designed us to be in relationship. So as we wrap up, we have a few practical questions you can ask this week. Feel free to go off scripts. We're going to send you guys the email with the questions uh, that we have, but it's good for you guys to do your own prep to dig the well deep so that you can draw water for your people. But the first question is this, how do you view the law? Maybe how have you previously um, viewed the law on your life? I know for me, I was like, the law defines God as some restrictive, uh, punitive Uh, God who is going to backhand me if I mess up. That's kind of how I viewed it. But this is a good spot to open up about your past uh, and to encourage people there. You want to take us second one? Yeah. Second question is, what does it mean that Jesus has fulfilled the law? 
what, why was Jesus' sacrifice enough? What yeah. was the, what were the prerequisites for Jesus' sacrifice to fulfill the law? Mm. And what was he fulfilling? What was it that we don't have to be in bondage to anymore when he died? Really good. Finally, how would you explain this passage to your yet-to-believe friends who had questions? This is a hard one, um, especially with a marriage thing, with like the metaphors he's using. But really, zone in on the fact that God is gracious. Zone in on the fact that God um, is rescuer, that he is this Old Testament and to today rescuer. Uh, But it's a good exercise to do to try and figure out how you would let go of the Christianese, let go of the Christian language and explain it to someone who might not have that. Um, so big shout out to Zach Surface. That's me. <laughs> He's on the pod, man. Usually Zach is the one setting it up and editing and doing all the hard work behind the scenes, but he is on camera and on the mic today. And so thank you. Face to face. Uh, okay, we'll wrap up. So whether you are working out at the gym, you're cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, driving the car, whatever you like to do while listening to your podcast, we hope you feel equipped and encouraged and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you are one who is sent by God this week to your family, your school, your work, your coffee shop, to the gym, soccer practice, cornhole tournament, wherever your Pray Watch community might be and wherever God invites you to go, where you're sent to be the living proof of our loving God. Yeah, Zach and I love you and we will catch you next time on The Text Lab.